from the Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. are starting a new series. And I think last week I saw when I said what I was talking, I think the winter girls were betting on what the topic was. Am I right? <laughs> I think guys were like, I told you, yeah. So um, uh, if you are betting on what is happening, we are starting a new series and it's called um, On Earth. And when uh, the disciples come to Jesus, like, Jesus, how do we do this life? And uh, um, Jesus says, well, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And then Jesus gives a model of how to pray, and uh, it's the Lord's Prayer. And in the middle of it says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus implies that there is this thing called heaven, and it's something more than just, like, tolerate this earth until you get to heaven, right? He's saying the future, whatever is out there, can be happening here. And if you have listened to any of my messages for a while, I have been fascinated with the idea of heaven. Because I, I, I started thinking of uh, who informed me that heaven is like, uh, you know, you get, you're an angel and you get a harp and you sit on a cloud. Um, who informed me that heaven can be a very self-centric place of whatever we think beauty or strong or healthy is still a certain body type. And we're saying, well, that body type or that hair or whatever it is, is better than others. And um, if Jesus is serious and we're supposed to pray for heaven here, well, then we have to be aware of what heaven is. And there's, there's a couple things that stand out to me with this idea is that um, have you ever heard anyone say in response to like, um, it, for me, it was a lot with COVID when I talked to some other Christians and they didn't want to um, follow some of the procedures, especially early on. Like, I don't want to distance. I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want the vaccine, which is, you know, that's their thing. But then they would say, because I know where I'm going. Is, any of you heard that before? Right? Um, I'm not going to do that because um, whatever happens, it's, if it's God's time for me to go, it's, it's my time to go. Big guy upstairs, right? Um, and it always bothered me because um, that is a way of dismissing any personal responsibility. Right? And then what do we blame? Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we blame God? It's a way just to say, hey, you know this whole idea of like loving my neighbors, I'm supposed to love myself? Like, I don't really need to do that. Why? Because I know where I'm going. <laughs> Which makes you think, right? If uh, you believe that, it's kind of a scorched earth, uh, scorched earth theology is what I call it, meaning it doesn't matter what we do here. Like, we could just take oil, we could drink it, and then we could dump it on the ground and light it on fire. Why? Because this world doesn't matter because I know where I'm going. Right? Now, I'm playing it, like, way out to the extremes. But to me, theology really matters. And if it's not good for everyone, then it's not, then it's not good for anyone. Right? So um, then I thought, well, if you really believe that, and you are a Christian that carries a firearm, why do you need that? Because if you know where you're going, and it's God's time to choose, why would you need to defend yourself in any shape or form? Or my favorite one is, like, what if, like, you literally let Jesus take the wheel? Right? You just cruise and you just you play the song, play the song, and you let go, right? Because you know where you're going, and it's God's time, right? And that is 
asinine. No one would ever do that. But you could apply that same thought to showing up in this world because we can use heaven as this like um, get out of jail free card. We can use this heaven as um, saying, well, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't do that because I know where I'm going. And I just, is, is that what heaven is? Is this like Jesus says, like, the kingdom come, that will be done, like, on earth until you get to heaven? Or not, until you get, don't worry about earth until you get to heaven. Because it, there's something that Jesus is inviting us to do and to be that's more than just tolerate this life. And so, um, like, when uh, I was taught about heaven, people would say, well, you know, the streets are paved with gold. And I don't remember if I shared this already, but I'm going to say it again anyways. Like, that whole idea, again, and where we get the idea of heaven, biblically, is from some, like, way out there books, right? And, I like, Revelation, I believe it is beautiful, and it gives, uh, not Apocrypha, but when you, the, the, the changing of the times, is there's going to be a apocalyptic, right? right? Apocalyptic, just, like, we attach, like, fear, and we attach, like, fire, and then there's been, like, the books called um, Left Behind, Right? I would, I would don't know what I'd do. I, I couldn't give a message. I would just be talking about Dietrich doing Star Wars. And um, that book left behind, right? That scared me so bad. Did you, Jordan, did you read that book? All right. Oh, man, I, I read them, and I'm like, uh, am I supposed to go find the video that the pastor left behind knowing that I was going to get left behind? And how did he know I was left behind, right? Like, it's messed up, right? Where in the world was I going with that? Um, Oh, of like where we get where we get informed of how we think heaven is, um, is from these beautiful books and beautiful parts of like Isaiah, um, but then we like take what we want and leave everything else behind. Because when you say streets of gold, people like hear that streets of gold and it's gonna be perfect and like we're just gonna have access to the gold. All right, think about this. Right now, there's no one taking like a jackhammer to this street. No one's going to, like, uh, a brick road. No one's going to class five gravel and scooping up. Like, I got my inheritance, all right? There's no value in this, what makes this road. What they're saying, what the author is saying is the road, it's going to be paved with gold because what we deem valuable, what we go to war over, what we spill blood over, right, it, it is like you're missing the point. It's just part of the earth. It'd be like um, the septic system in heaven is laced with diamonds, Right? That's, it's, it's like our utility poles are made with pearls. It's, they're just things that we have believed this is what it means to be successful. This is what it means to be beautiful. This is what it means to be good. And what heaven is saying is, yeah, you missed the whole entire plot. So how are we supposed to know what heaven is? Right? Where are we informed of what heaven is? Luckily for us, Jesus spends a ton of time talking about the kingdom of God. And it was the age to come is what the, the Hebrew people believed was the age to come. And it wasn't just limited to somewhere else, some distant off place. It was the fullness of love, the fullness of inclusion, the fullness of peace, the fullness of mercy and justice and taking care of each other. That's what they really believed. And so Jesus talks over and over on the kingdom of God and he demonstrates with the kingdom of God. And we use the, the teachings of Christ to um, inform of doctrine, right? Doctrine would be like truths, and we, and I'm a huge fan of doctrine. I'm a huge fan of theology, and the, the doctrine then would inform how we show up in our jobs, how we show up to volunteer, how we show up at a party, how we show up if we're going to um, 
organized, right? It's just how you show up in the world. But here's the problem. If we like to live in a binary world, right? There's tall, there's short, there's Carlton and everyone else. There is good and bad, evil and sin sinful and holy. And that works, right? Like day and night. But then it doesn't work because what about dusk and dawn, right? Well, when does night begin and when does night end? And that's an ever-moving thing, right? So the binary world, and we love binary systems because our brains are I mean, I feel like you could probably talk about this way better than I could, Heather. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, our brains are wired um, when we hit complex things to go to the easiest path of resistance, right? Example, right now, the, well, it's probably more than that, but like last week, the national debt was at $33 trillion, right? We have no, <laughs> we have no concept of how big that is, Right? What would you compare 33 trillion to? And so for me and a lot of other people, they hear that number and they, the leaf pass resistance is your own personal finances, right? Let it be known, I do not make 33 trillion dollars as a pastor, right? <laughs> right? But then you'd go to of like, well, if we, that was our credit card debt, if that was our home budget, we'd have to start cutting some stuff. We'd have to get it even, which is true. You should do that. But the world, the universe of like global economics and like credit card debt are like not like cities apart they're not countries apart they are universes apart but how how easy is it when you hear that word to slip into that box this is how like conspiracy theories and QAnon and when you think about even COVID and some of the conspiracies that have come, well I shouldn't call them conspiracy like some of the talking points that have come out is informed because think of all the trauma and um anxiety and loss, even with the first two weeks of being in shutdown. I don't know about you. I was like deathly afraid to go. I'd have like, I'd come home from the grocery store and I'd be, <laughs> I'd have to like talk myself off the ledge because what I was told, right? I remember New York Times, the Daily, they're talking about there's a possibility that we know three people, like every person might know three people have died from COVID. And I'm like, what are we going to do, right? Because that's what the science was then and as it evolved, things changed. Um, but it's easy to go, it's easy then to have all these different ways of thinking because it is easier to process instead of processing with all the last two years and the trauma. Are you tracking with me, right? So when we, if we don't think in binary systems, then we might mean that there's more nuance. And this is the parables of Jesus. The way Jesus talked about heaven, the way Jesus talked about the kingdom of God was through parables, through these stories. And they don't make any sense, <laughs> right? In the sense of they're not binary. They are all over the place. And they have this, like, really mystic, wonderful invitation. And it's very difficult because there's at times that Jesus, after a parable, would, like, stop and then break it down for the disciples. But for, like, uh, for most of them, he'd give a parable, and then people would, like, uh, come again. And then he'd always okay, uh, how about this one? And then they're, like, mm, and then you do another one. And the only thing that they understood is that they don't understand, right? And, right, I listened to the, or I read this, um, this author, and they said, even that is a beautiful thing. Because even being aware of what you don't know is still knowledge, right? So think about it this way. If we have this binary way and we have doctrine that forms how we show up in the world, then people who take, like I take the Bible, I'm looking at the camera, I don't know why, I take the Bible incredibly, incredibly seriously. Like I've given my life to studying it. I don't always take it literally. 
and people who do, I think it's, I really do, I think it's fine. Um, but there's this way of thinking of inerrant. People who believe the word is inerrant means there's no errors, means there's one interpretation, right? And any other interpretation would be less than or maybe not as good. There's a parable, right? There's a parable of where Jesus talks about putting coins in the mouth of fish, right? And if I had to ask you, Steve, what is the correct interpretation of that parable, what would you say it is? No, no, there's a parable about putting coins in the fish of, well, well, tell me what it is then. What, what's the, what, poisoned fish, that's the correct interpretation. Jesus, Jesus is like, I hate these fish. I need to come up with a way to get rid of all these fish. Right? We would all have, we'd all have different interpretations, right? As you should. So there's a way of thinking about, um, Theology. There's a way of thinking about God that I found really helpful. Now, this word I'm going to use, I got from, um, I'll share the book in a little bit. It's a term at the front end, when I first heard it, it put me off a little bit because the way we use that word was always toxic and violent. And it's called queer theology, right? Queer theology. Queer theology uh, means like there's this expansive way of knowing and being. Right? When I was a kid, we'd use the word queer as a way of like, you are different, and then we'd say that word out of like, angry, you don't fit into this system, right? And what I, now, if you're not aware, by the way I dress, um, I am a straight, middle-aged white man, and I have the receipts. I love golf, I do the crossword puzzle, right? And I love country music again, Kenny Chesney. I, I, don't judge me from over there, Rebecca Rick, throwing shade at my Kenny Chesney. <laughs> She's just like, what? I thought I believed in this system. What is up and what is down? Um, and, what's, and I love chopping wood. I, just, I could chop wood all day, says a guy who doesn't make a living chopping wood, right? But I love chopping wood. Um, but from the people I've talked who identify as queer and the things I've read is instead of it being this negative word, it is this all-encompassing, beautiful word saying, I don't know, I might not fit in any of these boxes, and that helps other people. Right? The, like, um, of whatever box or way I identifying, I know that I'm not any of those, but I'm on this journey of finding out who I am. And what a beautiful, when you put it in that way, like, absolutely we're going to celebrate that. Why wouldn't we all say, hey, we're going to help and support and cheer you on as you discover what it looks like to be you? In the same way with theology. And I believe this is. Uh, how the parables should be read. And I got this from a book called Queer Virtue, Virtue that Sarah Olson recommended to me, and it is, it is so good. Um, because then, instead of doctrine being informed by these rigid lines, in a queer theology mindset, it means we have some ideas, right? Of like, I believe that God is good. I believe in a historical Jesus, death and resurrection, right? A bodily resurrection. But there can be this movement and some expansion of what that looks like for me versus what it might look like for Dietrich, what it might look like for Tom Bates. Right? It's, gonna, it's going to move and sound and look differently. But then that doctrine still informs how we show up. And for me personally, the, the, that theology, those doctrines inform that I will always choose a person over a belief. Always. I will choose a person over belief. Meaning this, I will orthopraxy versus orthodoxy. Orthodoxy, incredibly, what is orthodox? Incredibly important. 
But when Jesus says to love my neighbor as I love myself, it means I'm going to choose love over any kind of exclusion. Now, that might be difficult. It might be hard. It might create some more um, opportunities to work through. But I'll always choose the person because I believe that the, God, the divine is in all people. If that's true, right, how I practice my faith reveals my faith. And I believe that God loves things by becoming them. He did, they became us. God loves things by including them, never excluding. And I believe that when Jesus is going through these parables, right, when he's saying heaven, pray that heaven, whatever's happening in heaven is happening here on earth, this is a central piece to these parables. They're going to be messy, they're going to be nuanced, they're going to be expansive, and they're absolutely beautiful, and I'm here for all of it. So if you're not guessed, for the next couple weeks, we're going to be going through several parables, some that are like really funny, and some of them that are sound judgmental, and some that are radically filled with grace and love. And uh, let me share this. It is easy even from um, me, like next week I'm talking about um, forgiveness and the um, ungrateful servant, right? I have made an interpretation on that. I have meditated on it. I've uh, read it a bunch, bunch of times. But what I, what I realize is I can still put things in boxes because of my education, because of my upbringing, because of my high intellect, because of my uh, making $33 trillion. Like, there's all these things that inform what I believe it means to be a man or a person or a human, right? And what Jesus does over and over and over again, he's like, you keep trying to put me into this system, and I've come to bring resurrection to this system, right? Two examples. In Mark 6, right, um, Herod hears about this guy named Jesus, and he's like, what's the deal with Jesus? That's my Seinfeld impersonation. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just did that. That was awesome. Um, what's the deal with Jesus, right? So Herod is asking, what's the deal with Jesus? And someone goes, I think this is the resurrected body of John, the Baptist. This has got to be John, because look, all these things are happening. Another person says, I think it's uh, Elijah or Ezekiel. It's one of those, right? And another one goes, I think this is like a collective group of the old prophets. And then Herod says, it can't be John. I killed him, right? All that being, they keep going back to old ways of being, old systems of saying, clearly only prophets can do stuff like this, because look back, we can see that they did it before, and Jesus says later on, he goes, I'm not John. John and him were cousins, they're buddies, they high-fived. And he wasn't saying John is bad. He's saying, you keep trying to label me like you've labeled other people. There is new life, there's new creation. And you look in Matthew 17, Jesus wakes up and says, all right, all you disciples, let's go for a walk. Right? And they go out and they probably do some jogging. Right? They're in their getting and they go to the top of this mountain. And Jesus walks up there and this is the transfiguration. And this cloud comes down, and it comes back up, and Peter and all the disciples see uh, Jesus kicking with Moses and Elijah, right? and they're, like, doing cool, like, uh, goose and maverick from Top Gun, high fives, you know, grabbing the ankles. And, and Peter sees this, and he looks around, and he says, what are we doing? We have to start building some tents. We have to start putting up some, some shacks. Why? Because that's what you did when you encountered God. In the past, if, if you had this, uh, God showed up, God delivered you, God spoke to you, they would build like these, um, not shrines, you, these like monuments, these altars, right? They put all these rocks together because when you, like several years later, you'd be walking with your kid 
and you see these rocks, and your kid would go up and try knocking it over because that's what kids do. They like to ruin everything I own, right? <laughs> and <laughs> and what, the, what the person would do would be like, what are you doing? Don't just knock art over. And they're like, well, why not? And you'd say, because this is where God showed up. We have a God who sees us. We have a God who rescues us. And this is to remind us that this God is good. That's beautiful, right? And Peter is doing the same thing. He's looking around saying, we just saw something divine start building things. God interrupts him, and God says this. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Right? That's what they record of what God said. Then Jesus gets up and walks away. (laughs) Right? He just moves on. And one way of thinking about this is that Peter is saying, this is what we've always done, and it's worked. And God says, hey, I want you to listen to him. And Jesus says, we're moving on. Because there is something new. There's a new way of orienting the world. There's a new way of, of what we have said is good, what we have said gold is valuable, becomes a street in heaven. Jesus is saying, in these parables, in his teachings, there's always death and resurrection. Right? Jesus over and over. And if you read through the parables through that mindset of a death and new life, it's beautiful and terrifying because the system benefits us. Not all of us. Some of us, it benefits a little bit more. In order for Jesus saying, but there's going to be new life, means you have to have a new ranking system. I thought about this. Like, when Jesus is the least and last and, like, uh, the meek shall inherit the earth, and I think about death, they were already mostly dead. They were part of a system, an empire that says you have no value. <laughs> you, the, you are actually living heaven because you need to find food for one another. You have to keep each other warm. You have to care for each other's kids because you, no, you have nothing else. It came easier to them because they were already on the margins. When Jesus is saying to the rich young ruler, yeah, go sell everything, and he's like, mm, not for me. Why? Because this system benefits me, and I want to keep the power. The parables reveal to us of that there is a new way of operating. And so next week, we're going to start the parables. I'm not going to go into another half-hour message. Just <laughs> Heather's like, please wrap it up, right? What I want us, those who are listening, watching, and those here, is to take like that ever-expanding view of what I think I know to be good or true or evil or bad, like to hold it open. Like hold it open with your hand, put it out there, and allow this good and beautiful God to inform us to speak. And maybe there's a way we might need to let go. There might be some things we might need to die to in order so that we can have real life. So, where end is this. I can imagine if I was hanging out with Jesus and Jesus says, hey, we're going like, to go do a bunch of stuff, but it's going to cost you everything. And I could say, hey, Jesus, don't worry. I know where I'm going, right? I imagine Jesus would say, I'm happy for you, and let's start doing it, right? If heaven on earth implies we're the ones who are building it. We're the ones who are doing it. So let's pray. So God, we love you. And I I, uh, thank you that there's this whole new way, this new creation. And I admit that it sounds like music's playing, Lord. You want me to start jamming out, Lord. Um, all right. 
yeah, it, it's life is life can be hard, and the idea of losing stuff does feel scary. I love the idea of new life, and then the things that I have built. I don't want to call an empire of dirt. <laughs> I want to call it like an empire of really valuable. I'm important, and so I just ask God that this moment and this week we can like breathe, and we might be able to let go of some things. And maybe the boxes that we have put ourselves in and maybe some of the things we have uh, been trying to move away from that we can just trust that you have nothing but good things for us. And we love you so much. I pray that we can move and operate as heaven is here right now instead of just somewhere else. In your name, amen. All right, thank you. Now I'll play the music, Steve. (laughs) 